And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Thanks so much for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. The 15th episode, I believe, if my uh, math serves me correctly. Coming up on the program this week, we'll talk about farmers markets. We'll talk about pest control, the never-ending pest control. It's just a, a different varieties of pests that you have to deal with when you're uh, living out in the country and you are surrounded by nature. And it's uh, a matter of trying to keep at least a little patch of civilization uh, amidst the roiling green masses of uh, bugs and coyotes and foxes and hawks and everything that wants to uh, eat what you're growing before you get a chance to eat it. Plus, we'll uh, hear from you. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And, you know, we we usually have a segment where we talk about a book on the uh, program. We might might talk about a, a, not a book that I've been reading, but uh, maybe something that I've been writing. Might talk about that a little bit uh, in the program as well. But I mentioned farmers markets. This was, uh, we went to our first farmers market of the year. This past weekend, uh, we did not go to Farmville. We instead uh, drove north up towards Charlottesville, Virginia, and about uh, 30 miles south of Charlottesville, uh, right on the James River, is this little town called Scottsville, uh, which dates back to about the 1760s or so. It was actually the the original county seat for Albemarle County, and then uh, darn that Thomas Jefferson, you know, he uh, he. he had a lot of influence over the uh, uh, the the Albemarle County in the uh, state of Virginia, and so uh, Charlottesville just became a a more populated area. It was also uh, centrally located in Albemarle County as opposed to uh, Scottsville. the The boundaries were very much in flux at that time. So when uh, Scottsville became the county seat, it was much more centrally located. Then all of a sudden, it was way on the southern end of the county. So it, it's been a kind of a quiet town. There was a um, uh, a Firestone Tire Factory that was in town up until I think uh, the 80s or so, and since then it's just been sort of sleepily declining. Now it's close enough to the expanding Charlottesville area that it's almost an exurb of Charlottesville. So uh, the main street, the, the the small downtown area, which is basically just a a T. So you've got you know sort of a, a block going north and south of some buildings, and then maybe uh, half a block. Uh, on either side going east and west where there are some shops. It, like I said, it's a pretty small town. Uh, but there is a uh, James River Brewing Company is is down there now. There are a couple of restaurants that are uh, pretty good. There's a little uh, farm-to-table restaurant. Uh, who The chef, I think his parents own a bed and breakfast there in town. Uh, so it's a cute little, cute little town. And it was their first farmer's market of the year. They have a nice big pavilion uh, there for the farmer's market. So Saturday morning we drove up. Uh, to take a look, see what they had for offer. And I got to say, it was a really good farmer's market. I was very impressed by it. To me, a good farmer's market needs to have a variety of things, right? And not just vegetables, but I, I like that there were crafts there um, that, that were for sale. There was a, a woman who was selling uh, goat milk soap. Um, it was the day before Mother's Day. I was able to score a couple of unique Mother's Day presents for a, a pretty reasonable price. There was a, a woman who was there selling um, this time of year. She, you know, I imagine it would, it would expand uh, later in the summer. But right now she had some honey for sale. She had 
some uh, lettuce greens and a, you know a couple of other things. But her her daughter was there, and her daughter was probably seven or eight, and her daughter had for sale all of these hand painted cards, and they were little watercolors that she had painted, and she's pretty talented for uh, for eight years old. So I was able to pick up a unique Mother's Day card as well. Uh, that was pretty neat. I like I like doing that. There were also a couple of uh, nurseries that had plants for sale, which is good because we've probably two beds of garden uh, of tomatoes just didn't make it. So we were able to replace uh, those plants. We uh, got some brandy wine tomatoes, which are a you know, medium sized tomato. These are the types of tomatoes that the rabbits really liked in our garden last year, which is why we aren't growing a lot of big tomatoes. But um, we'll we'll see. Hopefully the uh, the rabbits can only jump so high, right? So at least maybe if we get the taller plants, we can have some on top. Uh, and we also uh, got a smaller tomato that uh, supposedly is really good for canning. We haven't grown this one before. It's called a Bloody Butcher. Love the name of it. Uh, like I said, it's a, a smaller tomato, uh, maybe more of a, not, not, not a grape necessarily, but uh, uh, more of a plum-sized tomato. And anyway, they said it was really good for canning. And since we lost our San Marzanos, which are also a plum-sized canning tomato, paste tomato, uh, that's why we decided, all right, we'll, we'll try the bloody butchers. So we were able to get some uh, additional tomato plants. There was, a, uh, there was one solitary little food truck there, uh, which is fine. I don't really go to the farmer's markets for, for food trucks. But it was cool that, you know, they, they had it there. Uh, but there were probably a good... I would say 20 vendors or so. Now that might not be much if you're going to a farmer's market in, you know, downtown Dallas or, uh, uh even Richmond, Virginia, but for a sleepy little town, uh, that's not too close to a major population center. I thought that was a, a pretty good turnout. And there were a couple of farmers actually that were pretty close to us, um, that we met for the first time. So in a way we got to meet our neighbors you know, oh, oh, where are you from? Oh, oh, yeah, I know that. I know that road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a, uh, it was a, a good experience. Um, we'll probably not go there every weekend. The uh, the Farmville Farmers Market is uh, a lot closer, but uh, it was a really, really nice farmers market. And again, like like I said, it just had the variety, uh, lots of different vendors. Everybody was happy. There was a, a good crowd, and you know that. That energy sort of builds on itself, right? There's nothing worse than just a farmer's market where nobody's there. Because if you drive by and nobody's there and there are no customers and there are only a few vendors, you might just keep on driving, right? So I, I love farmer's markets. I think that they are um, they're a, a great way if you, you know, A, have some uh, extra vegetables to, to make a couple of bucks. I know some of the farmer's markets are really, really difficult to get into. Uh, Farmville is not Farmville to me, Farmville has the, at least they did last year. I, and I have not looked to see what the requirements are this year because we're so behind on the greenhouse and everything. We're just probably not going to do the farmer's market this year. I've accepted that. It's okay. Uh, but last year it was five bucks a week to rent a space, uh, at the farmer's market and you didn't have to sign up for the whole season, paid your five bucks. You could go. I thought that was now, I don't know how successful it was, but I, I, I liked the uh, the openness and the availability to, to get in when you had stuff for sale. Um, I like to see that variety. I like to, again, to see a lot of different people. Uh, I like to talk to people and find out 
you know, where they're from, how long they've been doing this. I mean, that's just the reporter in me coming out. So yeah, I, I like to have that, that variety it just makes, it makes the people watching and the people talking, uh, much more interesting, but I'm curious, what do you think, uh, a good farmer's market needs to have? And do you even like going to farmer's markets? Is that, is that your thing? Uh, if you're selling at a farmer's market, I would love to know, uh, what your experience has been and, you know, maybe what's been lacking, what, what, what you see could be improved. Or if you are uh, lucky enough to be selling at a, a really good farmer's market, I'd love to know, again, what you think those ingredients are that makes it so successful. All right, when we come back here on 40 Acres and a Fool, Saturday morning was fun. Uh, and then the rest of the weekend, of course, was uh, a lot of work. We've been dealing with some pests of the four-legged and the winged variety. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on 40 Acres and a Fool. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc and Skip. 57-year-old Glenn Allen Bates allegedly embezzled about $150,000. He schemed, they say, to steal money from the VA retail store that he managed and spent it on strippers, prostitutes, and gambling. He spent about $500 a night on lap dances. A night? That's what I'm saying. a lot of lap dances. Aren't you going to be chafing at that point? The Morning Blaze with Doc and Skip. Weekday mornings, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So last week I was talking about the ants in the garden asking for uh, any advice on natural pesticides. We'll talk about that in in a little bit. But uh, we have some new pests. Well, not really new, new. They're back. Uh, So we've had lost a couple of hens this week to furry critters. Miss E., uh, didn't get a really good look at one of them as it was uh, taken off. She's not quite sure if it was a, uh, a fox or a coyote. And the back of our property sort of slopes down in a hillside. And so the it's kind of hard to see the perspective, especially if it's up in the uh, tall grass. But I'm I, we've seen both. The coyotes have certainly been more prevalent uh, over the years. But it um, looks like we're now back to being on the circuit of the uh, Virginia raw chicken, as opposed to the KFC, we get the uh, the VRC in our area, and apparently we're the drive-through. So, um, I, you know, we put out the traps, um, and they have not touched the traps uh, in the months that we've had the traps out there, and we've you know made sure they're covered and they're baited, and it's not the the traps are not um, effective at this point. Now, I don't have time this is a pretty time consuming thing coyotes are hard to hunt uh i don't have the time to do this so we're actually uh, i may be reaching out to this uh, gentleman um you know i went to this coyote seminar over the winter and i may be reaching out to this guy and asking what uh how much it charged to, to come out and try to take care of these coyotes it's it's the uh it's it's, it's not the right time of year for their for their pelts where you can get any money uh, for the coyotes. So it's sort of a slow time for the professional trappers uh, and hunters who are uh, looking for, you know, again, the, the the fur that they can sell. 
So maybe I don't know, maybe there's an off-season rate. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll get some sort of uh, good neighbor discount. But uh, that that that's an option. Unless there's anybody in the Central Virginia area who uh, has experience with coyote hunting. I have talked with my veterinarian, and, and he does have a new night vision scope. He says he's been wanting to uh, to try out. So um, might be bringing the uh, the good doctor over as well. So sick of these coyotes. Now, the other problem that we've been having, and I'm really sick of these things, carpenter bees. I'd never seen a carpenter bee until we moved to the farm. I don't know why that is, but uh, but but I hadn't. And then I saw a lot of them. Carpenter bees are these big bees. They don't the males don't sting, uh, which is good. The females rarely sting, and you rarely see the females, which is fine. They don't have a hive structure, so you don't have you know fifty thousand of these things. They they typically pair off, uh, so the the numbers aren't quite as bad. But they're huge, and they just bore into wood, and they'll bore in a, a perfect circle, and then they'll uh, make like a ninety degree turn, and they just keep going, and they can they can go for feet uh, into the wood, and they love our carport right now. And it got to the point where I would walk out onto my porch, which is also made of wood, by the way. Uh, and I'd go down the steps and I, you know, there was a, there was a, it was a swarm and a, a literal swarm of these carpenter bees. So we bought uh, a couple of carpenter bee traps, which are uh, wood boxes with, board holes on all sides so that the bees can go in but instead of at a 90 degree angle instead of you know going in flush it's it's angled upwards so they crawl up and then they fall down into a mason jar that is screwed in at the bottom uh you put in a little bit of soda a couple of uh, drops of liquid soap at the bottom and they can't fly out but they also aren't really going to go in while there are holes that they have bored that are available to them. So um, you get the Thompson water seal and you seal your, uh, your wood and then you go. And if it's a carport, you're going to have to get a ladder. Uh, and then you go and you fill in every stinking hole that you can find with wood putty and then you uh, hope that the uh, the bees will uh, wind up in the traps instead of uh, burrowing new holes in your wood. Now, some people say that uh, the bees won't bore through the, uh, the the treated wood. They will. They'll bore through painted wood. I've I've seen it with my very own eyes. And the traps are um, meh. They're they're okay. But I'll tell you what works better. A tennis racket. That's right. I said a tennis racket. As it turns out, the bees are so big that when you whack them with a tennis racket, they won't fit through the holes in the uh, in the strings, and uh, and they're slow, and they'll hover. And sometimes they'll fight with each other, and they'll forget to fly, and they'll tumble to the ground, and you can whack them right out of the air. Uh, over the weekend, this was a very, I got to say, it was a very um, odd experience in, in way of 
dealing with bugs, but uh, it was it was it was almost like hunting carpenter bees, uh, if you will, with a tennis racket. And uh, yeah, we dozens dozens of these things over the weekend uh, died at the hands of my forehand smash. Uh, I'm 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 a pretty good bee tennis player. I got to tell you, better than the traps. So. I guess, you know, look, I need help with the uh, the coyotes, but I'm available if you uh, need any help with your carpenter bees. I'll just bring my tennis racket over, let me know, and we can take care of that problem. So the carpenter bees have not been eradicated, but they are uh, uh, slowly moving uh, towards that state of affairs. Uh, but that's far from the only flying pets we have. I also noticed uh, last year we had a, a big storm. We've got, so we've got a bunch of old locust trees uh, in our front yard. I think I've talked about this before. And, and some of them, according to a tree guy that we had out, he thinks they, a couple of them might be as, as old as, uh, as the house itself. So that'd be, you know, more than 200 years old. These things are massive. Uh, and they feature a lot of dead parts to them. Uh, so you've got this mix of really hard wood, uh, mixed with the dead and the rotting wood, which are, are a perfect home for, Again, all kinds of little critters. So we've got uh, yellow jackets. We uh, last year we had a a ton of cicada killing wasps, which are these huge wasps. Again, they're not really interested in humans. They don't really sting humans, but uh, they, oh, they are so big and just. And we were just again inundated with them. Um, so every year we we have discovered this you know different set of uh, pests and problems that we uh, have to deal with. And uh, I, I think it's just a never-ending struggle, honestly. Um, I mean, we could, you know, bug bomb our uh, our yard and bug bomb our house, but I don't see that being particularly effective. And then, again, all of the other animals that we have. So it's a, that, that's a, it's a big adjustment. I always forget every year when springtime arrives and when summer arrives, just how buggy... Uh, the 40 acres might be. And that doesn't even get into the blood-sucking pests, the uh, the mosquitoes, which generally around our place are not that bad. Uh, we don't have a ton of places where you got standing water. Uh, so we, we don't we don't have a, a lot of mosquitoes occasionally, but but it's not been the big problem. Ticks are our big problem. And around Central Virginia this year, apparently it's just been really bad, uh, not just for us, but uh, all over the place. But it is, you know, you you check your pants uh, when you walk in the house, before you walk in the house. You do a sort of look down at your ankles and you wear pants. I have no tan on my legs whatsoever because it's not worth it to me. Uh, and occasionally you'll find one. I was uh, mowing the yard on Sunday and I uh, looked down, and I caught one right on the uh, inside of my elbow. It had just taken a bite of me, so I was able to pick it off without too much problem. But, yeah, the ticks are, are awful. And I'm not somebody who wants to walk around again wearing, you know, spraying myself with off and uh, putting bug spray on every time I leave the house. So I just, uh, I really just, you know, keep a close eye on uh, myself and check myself before I go back into the house. The dogs are on their uh, flea and tick medicine on a uh, regular basis. So, uh, you know, we don't have to worry about that. And we, 
actually do check the uh, the goats and animals, try to make sure that they're not uh, too uncomfortable. All right, when we uh, come back after a quick timeout here on 40 Acres and Fool, we're going to hear from you. The email address, as always, is 40acrefool at gmail.com. And in the, uh, the literary segment uh, this week, news of writing a book, not reading one. Stick around. We'll be back with more right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. While we tried to make sure that they were protected, we also gave those who wished to destroy space to do that as well. Baltimore's left-wing mayor taking a lot of heat for reportedly giving the stand-down order to cops, allowing the riots to take hold in Baltimore. Here's something wild and crazy. Why not focus on protecting your citizens instead? Chris Salcedo. Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So we were talking about the pests last segment, but I also uh, should note that one of the the cool bugs, uh, one of the one of the coolest bugs I think around, is also back this year as well. The fireflies have arrived, or the lightning bugs. And, and, and again, I'm very curious to know. What do you call them? Are they are they fireflies or are they lightning bugs? I grew up in Oklahoma. They were fireflies. They were always fireflies. Uh, Miss E grew up in New Jersey where they were always lightning bugs. And I'm not quite sure, is it is the Mississippi River the dividing line? Is there a uh, north-south divide that, uh, you know, separates the fireflies from the lightning bugs? So I'm actually very curious, if you wouldn't mind letting me know what you call them. Uh, fireflies or lightning bugs. But anyway, they're back. The fireflies are back. I uh, saw one lonely one, I think on Monday night it was, and then Tuesday night, it was actually really cool. Uh, I got home. I was working late. I I got home. It was dark and uh, came in, took the dogs outside, did the the evening routine, uh, ended up uh, putting the kids to bed, reading more of the bathroom reader. Uh, taking the dogs back outside because I always have to have a second trip. And, and there were there were storms off to our south. And the entire horizon was just, I feel bad for the people who were going through it because there was a ton of lightning. But it was all probably 10 or 15 miles uh, away from us. And the entire sky was just continually flashing with this incredible lightning. And the clouds were hiding it so you couldn't necessarily see the the, the lightning bolts themselves, but all of a sudden the sky would just turn this weird salmon color uh, at, uh, you know, 1030 at night. And then closer I noticed, and I mean dwarfed by this just violent storm, was a field, just a pasture full of these fireflies that were winking on and off. And it was, uh, it was just one of those moments, you know, you can't capture it in a photograph. Uh, I don't even think I have the words to to describe it, but it's one of those moments that that you you have, and you you're just looking at this, and you realize, you know, this isn't computer generated. This isn't on a high definition television set. Uh, this isn't this isn't uh, created by uh, somebody in Silicon Valley. This is a truly beautiful, overwhelmingly beautiful moment. 
uh, that was truly real. Nothing artificial about it. Unless that weird theory that, you know, this is all just a computer simulation that we're living in is real, in which case, forget what I just said. But I don't think that's the case. Anyway, those moments, I just, I, I love those moments. And you get so many of them um, where it's just, you're just overwhelmed by the, the beauty of what you see. And I don't think you need to have a, a farm. I'm not even sure you need to live in a rural area. I think you just need to be looking for those moments to find them. You can, you can see it in a, you know, in a sunrise uh, over a city. You can see it uh, in a fresh winter landscape, you know, before we start driving on in the snow plows come through. I mean, we just have to be looking uh, for those moments to find them. And uh, I found one the other night. Hope you find yours. And I do want to know, fireflies or lightning bugs? Now, uh, I did hear from Diane this week. Uh, she wrote in. Diane's from uh, California. I, I, you're going you're gonna to have to correct me on this one, Diane. But uh, Taya Chappie, California? Diane said he asked about natural insecticide that's safe for livestock. The best thing I've found, she says, is food-grade diatomaceous earth. And you know what, Diane? I actually have a bag of diatomaceous earth. Uh, we uh, bought it for the uh, the hogs because we had a uh, little spot of mange pop up, the mange mites, and you use the uh, diatomaceous earth, or DE if you don't want to say diatomaceous earth. But why would you not want to say diatomaceous? That's just one of those fun words to say. So uh, we actually do have uh, a bag of, uh, not, not not an entirely full bag, Diane says you get it in the 50-pound bags at the feed store. Yeah, we're, we're probably down about uh, 25 pounds of diatomaceous earth. Uh, no, what is it? Diane says it's actually ground up fossil. It looks like flour. It kills insects on contact by cutting the carapace and sucking out the moisture. Diane says, I use it in the garden by spreading it around plants. Don't get it on them. In the house for ants, totally safe near food and pets. And I actually feed it to my animals uh, for uh, a replacement for wormer. Uh, it also kills flies because it stays in the poo. But for fly control... Diane says, I recommend Fly Predators from Spalding Labs. Ooh, I like the name of that. Fly Predators. Do they come equipped with little tiny tennis rackets, I wonder? Just... So I'm going to use the diatomaceous earth uh, on the, uh, the the ant beds right now, Diane. Because right now we've just got... You look down in the garden and you've got, you know, row, 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 empty bed, row, row, empty bed. And that's where we've just, you know, we start digging, we're cleaning things out, and all of a sudden we're just covered in ants. So, all right, so the diatomaceous earth is going to go in the beds. Uh, those beds will probably be used in the fall uh, planting. And thank you very much for the uh, recommendation. Now, Diane says you can also spray plants with neem oil, yep, eucalyptus oil, uh, and even baking soda and water keeps moths away. Diane says it also helps to uh, plant in guilds and to spread species out around the garden rather than planting all the tomatoes together, all the squash together. Uh, it confuses insect predators. When they find what they like, they can't get all of it before you get them. That, you know, that's a really good idea, Diane. I like that idea. This is an idea that might lead to uh, an energetic conversation, let's say, with uh, with Miss E. Because I, 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 I'm all for it. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. But Miss E, and I'm really going to have to have her on to uh, to talk about this. I, I feel bad talking about Miss E when she's not here. And but I'm just want to. I just want to. For example, um, 
our CDs, our compact discs, remember those? Um, yeah. So they were alphabetized um, chronologically. No, alphabetized by by artist and album uh, from Missy. Uh, she would love our, our, our books that we have. She would love to actually have them organized uh, in the Dewey Decimal System. It, it, it hasn't happened, but that's a dream of hers. So she likes order. She likes a, a – that, that might be a little too much chaos. Uh, we might have to – I'm not sure where that happy medium would be there, but uh, we'll have to have that conversation. And I'll bring this uh, this idea up because, look, I'm all for whatever reduces the, uh, the, the pests in the garden. I'm all for whatever improves my chances of actually getting some of these things in my belly rather than in uh, some critter's belly. So, Diane, thank you very much for all of these suggestions. Diane says, uh, I love the show. You're doing what we intend to do. We hope to be leaving California for our own 40 acres in the South by this time next year. Oh, Diane, I wish you the very best of luck. Come to Central Virginia. It's beautiful. I don't know if you have a specific place in the South that you were looking at, but uh, I, I, I have to say, this is where I get to evangelize for uh, Central Virginia, the the near frontier that uh, that, that I'm in. You've got just some amazing options. First of all, the state of Virginia itself, we need more good people in the state of Virginia and we need good people who vote. So come on down. We'll be glad to have you. But the state of Virginia itself is just so varied. You know, growing up in Oklahoma and Oklahoma is a little varied too. You get into the Eastern part of the state and it's a little greener. It's a little hillier. Um, Central parts, you know, very flat and very great plainsy. And then you get over into Western Oklahoma and you start getting into the Actually, some mesas and some buttes uh, up in the uh, Panhandle. So it's varied, but it's it's a different type of varied. You know, in in Virginia, you've got uh, the Tidewater area, you've got the Piedmont, you've got the uh, Blue Ridge, you've got the uh, Appalachians. It's um, and and that's sort of moving from you know east to west, and then moving from north to south. It's it's a lot different as well. It's it's uh, you know the rolling horse farms up near Middleburg. Uh, and then you get into, you know, the, the big central Virginia Piedmont area and there's a lot of, you know, rolling hills and rolling farms and, uh, big lakes and down into South side of Virginia, it's, uh, uh, a lot different as well. It's just, it's, it's a great, great state. Uh, and you know, we drove around so much of Virginia when we were looking for, uh, our farm and, I, I saw so many cool little towns that that I would have loved to have moved to or loved to have moved near, and there are dozens, hundreds of these uh, communities. There are you know a lot of good sized uh, regional sized cities. Let's say the seventy five to one hundred thousand people cities like Roanoke, uh, Lynchburg, Bedford, uh, that whole area, which is to the west of where Farmville is, uh, is a a, a pretty good sized collection of cities when you add them all together, but they've got their own separation. You've got a very small town feel. There's a lot of outdoor recreational uh, activities uh, around there, Smith mountain Lake and things like that. Uh, and when you get up into the mountains, again, that's one of my favorite parts of the uh, state of Virginia. And I really want to explore far Southwestern Virginia because I've not been able to get down into the, uh, the heart of the Appalachians in the state, but I'm telling you, Diane, if you need any recommendations, uh, I've got a good realtor I know uh, who I'd recommend if you're if you're ready to make that move and you're looking and you don't know exactly where in the south you want to go. Central Virginia is your place, I'm telling you. Anybody else out there, too, who's been thinking, you know, 
maybe maybe I should just get out of New Jersey. Maybe I should you know find my uh, my little forty acre spot. I'm 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 happy to suggest any realtors. Really, this is a. I grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, was born in Massachusetts, but I've been in Virginia for two thousand since two thousand and four. And living in Northern Virginia, you know, I, I don't you don't necessarily feel Virginian, especially if you move to Northern Virginia. You 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 feel like a transplant. But the more I I left Northern Virginia, and would leave Fairfax County. And would you know get beyond the the beltway traffic and start to explore the old dominion the the more I fell in love with it, and wherever you end up, Diane, I hope that you end up feeling the same way. All right, when we come back here on uh, this edition of forty acres in a fool, it's time for our uh, literary segment. I've been teasing it throughout the, uh, the the show here, so we'll we'll tell you the big news coming up right after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Today in Baltimore, 84% of 8th graders can't read at grade level. So if you grabbed a random 8th grader in Baltimore, they may or may not know someone who can read. We've given space for rioters to destroy. We've all been taking these orders for decades now. Give rioters space to destroy and stand down. Mike Slater. Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool. I'm Cam Edwards. You know, the uh, best way... To hear me is on NRANews.com, uh, NRA News Cam and Company, live weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, online at NRANews.com. You can find us as well, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Sportsman Channel, live there too, and on demand at iHeartRadio and uh, on the NRA app. We're also on SiriusX and Patriot at midnight Eastern, 9 Pacific. And a uh, shout out to all of our road warriors out there who are also listening to the podcast. Uh, but later in the year, you'll actually be able to read uh, some words that I've put down on paper. On paper. On actual paper. Not just a uh, an online post or a, a Facebook post. I'm really excited about this. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. Uh, my buddy Jim Garrity came to me uh, towards the end of 2014 and uh, asked me if I was interested in writing a book with him. And I said, yeah, I was. It's really intimidating. I got to tell you, it is, um, it, it's very intimidating when somebody is, as talented as Jim Garrity says, hey, do you want to write some stuff that's going to be right next to the stuff that I write? Um, <clears throat> sure. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can do that. It, it, it is a little intimidating because Jim is a very talented writer and I'm a good talk show host. But um, Jim and I have been friends for years. I mean, I think, you know, when I first moved to Northern Virginia, uh, I met Jim very quickly and, uh, Jim and I became fast friends along with our friend Marshall. And, and, you know, we've, we've had Jim on the show, uh, for 10 to 11 years now. Um, he and I, uh, actually taped a, uh, a, a little experiment of a 
online show uh, called On Tap. No, Critical Drinking is what it was called. Uh, we also had the On Tap blog. Jim Marshall and I did for a little while. So Jim and I have had uh, uh, you know other projects we've wanted to work together before, but this is the first time that we've had the opportunity to do a a book together. And it's not a political book. Uh, it is not a fiction book like Jim's last uh, uh, piece, The Weed Agency, which is available at uh, booksellers, including online at uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And I would strongly recommend you read it. It's a very funny book. This is, uh, it's, it's, I think, a much more personal story of why it's good to grow up, basically. Um, why it is okay, if not, not just even okay, but why growing up, having a career, uh, getting married, having kids, why these are good things. You know, we see all of the, not just the the uh, studies coming out showing that uh, millennials are, are getting married at lower rates and they're waiting to have kids and they're, you know, you see the precious snowflake syndrome. Uh, you see the, the uh, eternal, the quest for eternal adolescence where we all are sort of gripped with this uh, Peter Pan syndrome to one degree or another, right? We don't want to grow up. But we, we should want to grow up. We miss out on a lot when we delay adulthood uh, into our mid-30s or, or 40s. I think that we're going to reach a point, I worry that we're going to reach a point, that at one day we have reached the, the uh, state where we delay adulthood right up until our midlife crisis. And I'm not sure what happens. I think then we, you know we, the, it's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. Bad things happen when you go straight from that that perpetual adolescence to a midlife crisis uh, and beyond. I don't I don't want to see that. So uh, this is not written from the the point of view of of experts. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to uh, come off as here's how to be a good grown up. There's a lot of uh, hopefully a lot of a uh, uh, kind of amusing personal stories and mistakes that uh, have been made along the way. And certainly, uh, you know, a big part of growing up is growing and learning and making mistakes and learning from mistakes. And we live in a, a such a risk-averse, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say we, well, we do in a way live in a risk-averse society. But you look at millennials in particular, and I think that there is a great deal of fear that prevents uh, a lot of young Americans and young adults from really accepting adulthood and and taking these things on. There's a uh, you look at some of the polls, for instance, and you know a lot of millennials say, "Well, I want to get married and I, I want to have kids, um, but I I'm not going to uh, now or in the foreseeable future." Maybe economic insecurity. It may be insecurity about relationships. But there's a a lot of fear of the unknown uh, that I think is preventing people from taking that plunge into adulthood. And and that fear has always been with us. It's always been scary to become an adult. It's always been frightening to move out on your own for the first time. And it's always been hard. But now... It seems we have this number of Americans. I don't think that they're a majority of millennials. I really don't. I think they're very loud. I think they are uh, very close to the the, the culture uh, and the cultural output. But I don't think that they're a majority of Americans. But we do have this group of Americans uh, who who are, I think, resisting uh, the idea of adulthood and who really resist 
growing up. But the book isn't an attack on 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 those Americans. It's really not. We've got enough angry rah rah rah. Look at these people. Get off my lawn. It's really just a celebration of our experiences as dads, as husbands, as people who started out on the bottom rung of a career ladder and worked their way up uh, in a field. And it didn't necessarily mean staying with one uh, company or one firm for 30 years like our fathers or our grandfathers uh, have done. Uh, Both Jim and I have, you know, uh, started our work in the dot-com era um, in this very changing, fluid job environment. And so I think that there are some tales and some stories that can be told that hopefully will reassure uh, people who are either getting ready to start out in adulthood or who have reached adulthood and who are, are ready to make that plunge or maybe just even provide you know reaffirmation that, yeah, these things are good. These things are valuable. Uh, these experiences that you have when you – uh, shoulder these responsibilities when you take on these responsibilities willingly. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of benefit that that comes from being a grown up. And it's kind of weird that you have to, you know, celebrate this 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 movement to adulthood, which has been just sort of the human experience for thousands of years. But uh, oh, we live in a uh, brave new world, or at least attempts for a, a brave new world. So. Uh, I think it it is good to celebrate. It is necessary uh, to uh, to tell these uh, these stories of the, the 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 good side of adulthood. Uh, so Jim and I are working on this book. Uh, we have a deadline uh, that is rapidly approaching. And after I finish, I will uh, I'll tell you all about it uh, honestly and and what it's like to write a book. But. Uh, I got to say, I'm really excited about this. Um, You know, I got married the day before I turned 23 and instantly became a a dad. Uh, That was the job title, was dad, to an 11-year-old girl, to a 6-year-old boy, uh, my oldest daughter and my oldest son. I I, I don't refer to them as my stepkids. They're they're just my kids. And it gets very confusing. Um, A, we are a blended family. My uh, oldest kids are biracial. And and I'm only 12 years older than my my oldest daughter, so it does get it gets really confusing, uh, and it has led to uh, some some kind of funny conversations over time. Uh, but there, it's my family, and you know, becoming a dad and becoming a husband at a pretty early age, uh, thinking at that point like like most early 20 somethings do. Again, the precious snowflakes are really not that special. They've we, we youth have always sort of felt like they uh, they know everything uh, and to all of a sudden be smacked across the face by the uh, cold hand of reality that, oh, no, you don't know anything at all, buddy. Uh, you have a huge learning curve ahead of you. It was the scariest thing that I ever did. It was the, uh, the best thing that I ever did. I can't imagine my life uh, without my family, honestly. And at the end of the day, you know, this, this book... Um, I think for both Jim and myself, ultimately, yes, it's a celebration of adulthood, but it's also a a love letter to our families, our own, not each other's. That'd be weird. (laughs) All right. On that note, it's time to wrap things up here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Thank you so much for being a part of the show this week, and I hope that we hear from you. Again, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook as well. It's uh, Cam Edwards 
one. Uh, also, the, uh, the the public page, if you would please like it. I, I, I don't I'm, – I'm, I'm trying. I'm really trying to uh, be better about posting. Once the, uh, the book is written, I'll have so much more time uh, to do things like that. Uh, but you can follow me on Facebook, Cam Edwards 2A. On Twitter, it's at Cam Edwards. On Instagram, it's at Cam Edwards, and we are featuring – furry adorable little goats and uh, bacon seeds and pictures of bullet eating flowers and all kinds of stuff from the 40 acres so uh, be sure to check us out on instagram as well until we talk again be safe have fun live a little learn a lot and we'll see you here soon on 40 acres and a fool you're listening to 40 acres and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network